Hey, everyone. We're taking a short production break, but wanted to leave you with some bonus episodes before we're back with season two of Extra Spicy. We're going to start each episode with some chit chat about the most interesting things that we've eaten this year. Last episode, I talked about beans. And this episode, it's Justin's turn. So this this is the thing that uh, that I've been doing so late. With all of these dining restrictions and whatnot, I have been eating a lot more home cooking dishes. Like, I will put it like this. There are multiple co-workers <laughs> at the Chronicle. I, a lot of people live in Oakland near my apartment. There are multiple people at the Chronicle who have been kind enough to cook food and share it. We've been like passing things off. And uh, one of them lives across the street and makes Mexican wedding cookies occasionally. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is just in case like she's embarrassed, but um, they're really, (laughs) they're really good. And uh, also like another one who does really great like Persian food. So I've been, I won't say like exploring, but the idea of eating more home cooking that doesn't come from my own hands has been uh, like a nice, a nice bonus in the pandemic. I guess everybody's like trying to cook more. So that's kind of nice. It's nice to share, though, and not have to do it all yourself. I know. I mean, it's really great to eat something and not have to clean up dishes afterwards and then potentially find a way to steal someone's Tupperware. (laughs) So what's your favorite Persian dish so far? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would say like gorma sabzi is really good. It's like a Persian stew, basically, but it's really like herbaceous for the most part. It's just, I don't know if I have a favorite, to tell you the truth. Everything's just really, really good. You can add like this mast with the dish, which if you've never tasted it, it's kind of like a, um, like the consistency is very much like sour cream. Like there's a, but anyway, you can add that to dishes and I do that in heaping spoonfuls. I don't know, man. I, I, I think comfort food in any cuisine is just something that I'm really leaning into right now. So in short, with this and the last episode, you know, that we've been eating really good during the pandemic. Oh yeah. We've been eating our butt off. And with that said, hello, people. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. I'm Justin Phillips. And I'm Salejo. In today's episode, you'll hear our interview with Anthony Salguero. Anthony is the owner and operator of Popoca, a really, really cool pop-up that specializes in pupusas. And he's been popping up in Oakland for quite a while now. And he tells us all about his quest to make Salvadoran food more well-known in the Bay Area. Before we get to this week's episode, we'd love to hear from you, the listener. You've been enjoying what Soleil and I have been doing, what we've been making, what you've been hearing. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, we love positive reviews. You know, that would be great, but we'll take them all. You can write in any comments or suggestions on what you'd like to hear in season two or whatever else you want, whatever. If you notice extra good, like really, really, really good, we'll share it in a segment during season two. Probably. We will. We will. Okay. Let's get back to the interview. So thank you so much for joining me in my closet. I'm so happy to talk to you. It looks really cool, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Way way bigger than my closet. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, this is like the bulk of my apartment space. So it's really important. Um, But I... I'm so happy to talk to you because I think this is the first time I've talked to a restaurant or food 
person whose business I reviewed recently. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny. Um, it feels a little bit strange because at this point, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to impress me anymore because I already wrote about you. It doesn't. <laughs> it's all cool. Um, I, I don't agree. I feel like I'm still trying to impress you. But <laughs> So for the listeners who might not be familiar with Popoka, can you tell me or the listeners um, what the deal is? Like, what is this business? What do you do? Let me start by saying like Popoka means to admit smoke. Um, it's uh, from the Nahuatl language that the Nahuatl were the indigenous in El Salvador, um, you know, before uh, Europeans came and did their thing. Um, and then, so the concept is like just kind of using old um, techniques and um, old cooking styles um, mixed with like the stuff that I've learned cooking in the Bay Area uh, for so long um, and just kind of um, showcase dishes that aren't uh, super popular um, out here and also just really, uh, you know, doing things from scratch, like from like from the masa to the sour cream to, um, you know, the cortido to like hot sauces and everything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we make Salvadorian food. Um, it's Salvadorian influenced. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take uh, classic dishes and I'll kind of um, make them mine. Um, just like make them more personal. Um, but they're still like, you have those classic like flavor combinations and like those, um, you know, I think part of it is showcasing like Salvadorian food. Um, I kind of want people to get excited about Salvadorian food, you know? So, so that, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. What's, I guess for you then, like, what does it mean to get people excited about Salvadorian food? Like, why does that matter to you? Oh gosh. You know, it means a lot, actually. Um, I, you know, growing up here, it's like Mexican food and, and you know, Italian food and, and French food and, and um, you know, all these other cuisines are very popular. And um, I don't, you know, I don't hear too many people get excited, like, oh, damn, what we'll eat Salvadorian food tonight. Um, so, so I, and, and going back uh, and forth from El Salvador to here, um, just like realizing like, wow, this is special and there's a lot of dishes and techniques and flavors that like nobody really like thinks about, you know, um, not nobody, but you know, a lot of people don't really think about. And to me, it's just like, I just, I kind of want people to be as excited, like trying pollo and chicha for the first time as I was, or like, you know, um, uh, like for the first time and just kind of being like, Oh, what is this? Like, I'm curious. And, um, you know, cause El Salvador is a beautiful place and I, I just, I think it deserves a little more when it comes to the food. Yeah. What do people in general, you know, outside of El Salvador, what do they think of it in your experience? Like, do they have misconceptions about it? Or like, what are you hoping to clear up with your work? Um, you know, it's like I, I, a lot of it is like, like we do pupusas. It's like anytime somebody thinks Salvadorian food, they think pupusas, which is, which is legit. Cause even in El Salvador, pupusas is a staple, you know, it's, it's really important. Um, but they don't think of like other dishes. Um, and you know, a lot of the times too, it's like, it gets confused because like a lot of the same words for, for the dishes kind of like quesadilla or like empanadas, they mean something completely different in El Salvador. So like a lot of people will be like, you know, Hey, do you guys have a uh, chips and salsa or like, <laughs> Like, no, we don't, we don't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, so it's just, it's, it's really cool. Cause like I'm learning about my culture and connecting with it as much as I can. 
but I'm also like being able to connect with like customers more than I've ever done because I'm trying to educate on what I've learned. So, and for me, like I'm good doing that forever. Like that's just fun, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it it means a lot to me. So, Oh, that's really cool. Like, how did you learn to appreciate it? Because I mean, from my perspective, right, I didn't learn to appreciate Vietnamese food, which I grew up with until I left home because it was just like the crap that I grew up on. Right. Like, did you start off appreciating Salvadorian food or was that a journey for you? I'm like everybody else. I started off appreciating appreciating pupusas (laughs) (laughs) as a kid. So, but um, I, so I think it actually took me being in kitchens and cooking um, and then going back to El Salvador, like after, like, uh, you know, my career has like started and and has been going um, because going back to El Salvador with like a better palate and just like a, a better knowledge of food kind of opened up like my eyes a little bit and just made me realize like there's a lot here. Um, and I think without, without that, without the, um, you know, my, my background in food, I think it, it would have been a lot harder to, to realize. Um, but yeah, so. What were you cooking before? Progressive American food. Um, I would say like, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, I, I guess that's what progressive American food is. Is like <laughs> sort of a hodgepodge, like, right? Yeah, it is. You know, Japanese, Italian, um, you know, French. Um, you know, uh, tons of stuff. You know, I was, I was messing around with a lot of different things, um, and it and it, it was nice cooking it. Like I, I, I loved I, I love cooking it because you can be really creative and and you know you can change things and do things and try things and it's fun and that's part of the reason why I like cooking. Um, but I never felt like completely connected to it. Like I never felt like this is good for me. Like this is perfect for me. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, um, I think once I really started getting into Salvadorian food, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So hmm. yeah. that's cool. So when you went back to El Salvador, who did you go to? Like, how did you get back into the cuisine? You know, um, I'm curious about like your mentors or, or just how you did your research. Um, so my family is out there. I have a lot of family out there. They're awesome. Like shout out. Um, but, uh, the, the family is great. Um, and I think, you know, when I, when I went out there, I was just, I, I, I was just like, I'm going to want to do eat everything. I want to cook as much as I can. I want to like bug people to letting me cook in their kitchens. Um, so, you know, there's this, there's this area in El Salvador, it's called Antigua and it's basically like this little like um it's like a street it's almost like the street that kind of goes around and there's tons of like just like classic salvadorian restaurants there um you know uh um like just old school food uh you know making things like um empanadas and uh pasteles and uh, making things like uh you know tamales and all kinds of stuff and a lot of babusas a lot of babusas um so I, i started there um, you know, there's a couple places that I ate that I loved and I just begged them to let me cook. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like, like a lot of, you know, you don't see a lot of, um, you don't see a lot of men making pupusas in El Salvador. It's all women. And, um, I think that was really like, you know, uh, uh it was different and I was, you know, kind of taking back by it a little bit. Um, but 
you know, I, I, I walked into the first kitchen and um, this lady, you know, I was talking to her and she's like, I don't know if I want to like teach you. Like, she's like, I feel like you're going to steal my recipes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I live in the U.S. Like I promise, like, just, just, you know, I'll pay you, like, I'll pay you to let me work. And uh, she was like, nah, it's cool. So I got to hang out with like all these amazing women and um, they let me in the world. And, um, you know, I cooked there for like for a couple of weeks and uh, and I learned so much and we would go down. So they didn't grind the masa there, but there's like you're in, in the little town. There's like the, the people who grind the masa for everybody. So like we would take like these giant buckets on our head of, of corn, take them to the little um, to, to the little space where they grind the masa. And then, um, you know, they taught me how to use the corn mill there. And then, um, you know, we went back, went back to the kitchen and just, it was awesome. So that, that's kind of when I got like my feet wet and like actually like cooking, you know, more professional, like Salvadorian food. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Wait. So like, why is it that women are the ones who make pupusas? Like what is, what's up with that? I I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know. (laughs) No, no. I mean, (laughs) I don't have a good answer for you. I try to figure, I try to think about it a little bit and, um, you know, I think it's just history and, and, you know, the way that you know, Salvador or, you know, Latin countries kind of just operate and stuff like that. Um, but sort of like really strict gender sorts of jobs or I think in every country there is. Right. But like, I, don't, I see it changing for sure. Like, like it's changing a lot, which is awesome too. Um, but it's, but I think it's, it's definitely like, I see mostly women just making babusas and masa. I, I see men cooking other food. Um, you know, but like mostly it's like women making pusas and masa. Yeah. I mean, but, what did it feel like to, to kind of, even if you didn't really understand why it was in place, like just to bust through that and just kind of get into the kitchen? What was that like? It was scary. I was more scared than working like in like my first fine dining kitchen. Really? Like, yeah. I think I was also scary too. Cause you know, my first fine dining kitchen, like I walk in and it's like, I feel like it's like all like tyrants and like, they're just like all these like. You know, and and I was I was uh, like the only brown kid, like, and I and and I felt very out of place, you know, as well. Um, but I think walking into to this, I just felt really humbled. Like I just I wanted them to didn't feel like I was stepping on their toes, and I just wanted to make sure, like, you know, um, I was just listening to them and and respecting like what they do. Um, and I think that you know, it's really great for them to like let me get started um it it helped me out a lot so um so what would be worse for you then disappointing a chef or disappointing a pupusa maker oh pupusa maker for sure (laughs) oh my god like like when my salvadorians come and eat i'm like i'm scared like i'm just like (laughs) when the latinos come and and eat my pupusas i'm i'm like i really like i'm really nervous you know when like you know industry comes and stuff i'm like cool yeah like go eat it up whatever it's fine but like when when the salvies come i'm like oh shit i gotta come correct you know (laughs) Uh, because because that's that's their you know that's that's their heritage too and like that's their those that's their roots too and like I don't want to disrespect. I want to make sure I do things right. I'm not like, you know, um, butchering, you know, you know, the history of El Salvador. So, I mean, don't uh, you think that being afraid of that means you're on the right track? Yeah, I think I th- maybe. Yeah, I think so. That's a good way to put it. I like that. <laughs> Better than like not that. thinking about it at all, right? 
yeah, I think I overthink everything, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hear from other selfies then? I mean, has it been good so far? So far, so good. I get mad support from, from them. And it means, I mean, this, is, this might be wrong to say, but it means so much more when like, and they're like, yo, like, thank you for like doing this. Like it's, it, it just, it makes me feel a lot better. Um, you know, and I think that the people get it, you know, I was worried that, um, it was going to be like, I'll be honest, I was worried it was going to be, you know, out of place or, you know, like maybe I'm not like, I'm not Salvadorian enough because, you know, I wasn't born there. Um, and those are like the, the fears that, you know, I started with, um, but I honestly, I feel like I'm just connecting more with, 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 with my, with, you know, the Salvadorians and my people, um, and even my family, like my dad, like, you know, um, he's a refugee and, and I feel like ever since I started Popoca, like we just connect so much more about like food and, um, and just everything, you know, um, he helps me a lot. So, oh, yeah. Hmm. So you felt kind of like an imposter sometimes just not or did you yeah tell me more about that i i just felt like um maybe i think i i just felt like, like i had to be i had to be real with the food right like i couldn't tell a lie like i make salvadorian food like i'm learning as much as i can um but i also been cooking for a long time and i think that like if i wasn't true to that as well like it would come off fake. So I just, I, I think going into it, I just knew that like, I want to learn as much as I can about Salvadorian food. I want to cook Salvadorian food. And, but I also, I need to be true to like what I like to cook and, and, and how I like to cook and just kind of put those two together and just make it mine, um, you know? So I'm not like, you know, trying to be something else and butchering that, right? Um, but I definitely didn't feel like an imposter. I just I just wanted to make sure I did things right. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Solejo with Justin Phillips, and we're back with Anthony Salguero. So, I mean, there's a risk then in doing what you do, right? Because your pupusas, you know, they're more expensive generally than like the typical ones that you can get at places like Express Pupuseria, for example, in the Richmond district. Um, in general, like the pupusas you get at street fairs are much cheaper. Um, and they also don't feature like your take on the cuisine, right? Like your personal take that incorporates your background and all the flavors that you love too. Like there's risk in that because it's departing from, I think, what people tend to think of when they think of the cuisine. So how do you navigate that? Um, for one, I think, I mean, God, it's so complicated. Um, it's things, it, I think about this a lot, um, but for one, I feel like you know, I think I when I when I make a product, when I when I do um, pupusas or whatever dish I do, um, I calculate it so that I can make the right amount of money. So it's just like it's percentages, right? Um, and the thing is, like, I want I want to see like Salvadorian food. Like, I feel like we 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 could charge more. Like, I feel like people should charge more. Um, and I feel like, you know, based on, you know, based on um, where, where you see Salvadorian food and where you see Latin food, like, I, I feel like I don't pay enough when I get, when I get a pupusa somewhere else. Like, I, I want them to charge me more, you know? Um, 
I don't want to charge too high, but I'm using the same product as like this Italian restaurant that's charging like 25 bucks for a bowl of pasta. The same amount of, uh, of labor goes into it, um, you know, and I just feel like, like it's, it's, it's a good time to charge what's, what's necessary, like what's necessary to survive and to, to thrive as a business, you know? Um, and I want that for like all Latin food too, you know? I just, I feel like, you know, um, a lot of times we charge less out of like fear, you know, but I mean, I mean, I, I want to see Latin restaurants thrive, not just survive, but thrive. Does that make kind of sense a little bit? I'm yeah, worried. I know. Can you explain what you mean by thrive? Like, what does that look like to you? Like, like do well, you know, um, you know, financially. So, you know, so we can afford, <laughs> I have a kid I think about, you know, um, have an eight-year-old and you know I want to build a life for him and I want to do well here you know so um you know I I I think about it like you know I don't want to rip anybody off for sure but I want to charge what I think is right what what makes sense on paper right um and and you know I think for restaurants to thrive like especially like right now when like um it's really hard for restaurants you got to charge what's right. You can't be scared to like, you should, I mean, you can be, but you know, it'd be nice not to be scared to like, you know, to, to underprice things because, you know, you're worried that people aren't going to um, pay for it. Um, but it's like, it's complicated. I know there's like a lot of different um, thoughts on it and like ways that it can, it can be, uh, you know, right and wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. And what do you hear from Salvis who, you know, might be, cause I often find when I talk to chefs of different cultural backgrounds that the pushback they get on prices tends to come from people of the same background. Um, has that been the case for you or has it been pretty chill on that regard? Um, you know, and I've, I've, I've asked um, and, you know, and I've had actually conversations with some Savis about it. And, um, you know, I think they get it. Like, I think I think we got to talk about it. Um, I think it's one of those things that we don't talk about. Sometimes, you know, we assume, I mean, I mean, I've, I'm, I've gone to places and like, why am I paying this much? But, you know, we don't, we don't always think about like, we don't, we don't always think about like what goes into it and, you know, the people that, you know, are in the back, in the back, you know, cooking, um, making, you know, minimum wage, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, if you were able to charge more, we'd be able to pay those people more. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I think it's just like a cycle. You know, so, um, but so far, I mean, I mean, I've had a couple people say, wow, like, like, you know, you know, actually I've had not even Salvi's, I've had like other people actually say like, like, wow, this is like, this is a little more than, than what I'm used to. I'm like, well, what, like, or this is expensive. I'm like, well, why do you think it's expensive? Like, do you, you know, like, I'm just curious. Like I asked that question, I'm like, why do you think it's expensive? <laughs> uh-huh. Tell me about it. And, um. You know, a lot of times, like, well, they compare it to, like, other restaurants, you know, or they'll be like, oh, why go to the Mission? I'm like, I'm like, cool, like, you know, um, but, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, I don't know if all those restaurants in the Mission are thriving and I, and I want them to, too, you know? Right. So, and also the employees, yeah. like, how much are they making? Do they have health care? All that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, like real businesses, you know? Like, that's what I would love to see. Um, but yeah. Hmm. So tell me more about, you know, you have a background in like 
sort of fine dining, like American style restaurants. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot of experience with like the French sort of system of chefs and sous chefs and chef de partie and all that stuff. Uh, is that a model that, you know, eventually down the road when you expand, are you hoping to have more of a structured kitchen in that regard? Or do you have a different style that you're hoping to organize your workplace around? We've been, we've been working on a different style. Um, I don't like want to give too much because <laughs> I don't know if I should. Like we definitely want to, it's, we want it completely different. Like we're talking about a very fluid, like everybody is kind of helping each other with everything instead of like your busser and your, your, um, your server and your um, food runner and your expo. It's kind of like more of a, like the kitchen is running food and like, you know, um, the servers are like cleaning their own tables and like, um, I think it's a way for just to be more cost efficient. Um, but also just so that like uh, everybody's getting paid the same and feels like they're doing the same and just kind of, um, so we're working on, on a different model. Yeah. I mean, like, cause I've seen you allude to an expansion, right? Because you've been doing these pig roasts, the hopes of raising money for this, but like, what is it like what's happening? We're trying to uh, get the space and we're working on building um, inside of inside of the space. Um, we're actually trying to like build the restaurant in classic cars. Oh, um, cool. Some other stuff um, around classic cars and just kind of, um, uh, you know, adjusting what classic cars is right now. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a little, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Like we just started. Um, you know, but we're hoping by, by like next year, we'll, we'll have, we're working on like right now, we, it's the, the fun part. So like working on like style and like, and like, you know, what's like the vibe and like how it's going to feel and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I use my grandma's house in El Salvador as kind of like a guideline because it's like very tropical, but it's also kind of mid-century. Um, it's like mid-century, like Central America. And it's like tropical, it's like giant plants. I love plants. So like, we're going to make it, we're, we're kind of working on something like that right now. That's cool. So your pop-up at Classic Cars West is going to be a permanent fixture there from now on or when this is built. Yes. That's, that's super that's cool. Plan. That's the plan. Because I love, I, I love it there. I love the area. Um, I love the space. I think it's, um, it's going to be cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so potentially for next year, right? Potentially for next year. And, you know, who knows? That could completely change. I think no matter what happens, though, Popoco will be somewhere. Um, so that, that's, that, that gives me a little, puts me at ease a little bit, especially with like big projects and stuff. You know? How are you staying motivated to start a new project right now? Because we're in the pandemic, you know, California's on fire. It's a really hard time for restaurants, let alone new projects. Like what, what's driving you? I'm kind of lucky in, in, in the sense that I don't have a giant overhead and stuff. Um, so I'm able to kind of keep on working and doing um, what I'm doing. And, you know, I feel really, you know, it's hard right now for restaurants you know, they, they have that overhead and have that rent and stuff like that. Um, so I really feel for that. Um, but for me, it's like, I think this, because everything slowed down so much, I'm able to like, really like think about the future and like, just kind of find that silver lining in it and just like, think about planning and just like, you know, well, what's going to be next? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to think like more long-term one, just so I don't get like too submersed and like, you know, and, and get like too like in my head and just like, you know, because I think for the first couple months of everything, 
I, I kind of got a little depressed because like, I was just like, what is this? Like, nobody wants to eat like Salvadorian food. Like when you think of takeout, you think of like burgers and you think of like pizza and you think of like, you know, um, different foods and stuff. But like, I, I definitely, um, you know, try to stay healthy and stay out of that, that mindset and just think about the future. And I think it's a good time to plan right now, you know? So what are you hoping for? You know, this is my last big picture question, but like, what are you hoping for, for the future of the restaurant industry? Like, you know, you're going to be part of that future next year when you make your new place. Um, what are you hoping for the culture, for just the way people think about food and eat food and make food? Oh, so that is a loaded question. <laughs> Um, for me the biggest thing about restaurants is uh, and being in all these like restaurants that just opened and being in fine dining and and you know the the biggest thing for me is is the staff Um, behind any great restaurant there comes a great staff like it's just and I really want to see like staff taken care of and I want to see staff making more money I want to see people happy and loving what they do you know I think it starts at the top and it starts with like um, everybody loving what they do and, and being happy and being feeling taken care of. Um, and I, I think that the, the restaurant uh, culture, you know, needs to change a little bit. Um, and I think that like, you know, if people take care of each other a little more in restaurants, then everybody would take care of each other and it'd just be like a different kind of um, system, you know? Um, not to say that there's not restaurants that, that, that do, because I'm sure there's tons that do, but, you know, in my restaurant, like that's, that's like, I want to see, my people's happy, um, you know, and, and I think it's just about, you know, taking care of, taking care of them, you know, you know, I, I grew up in kitchens that were, you know, primarily like, like white, to be honest. Um, and, you know, it was, it was scary for me at times. So like, I just, I just, it would be nice to not be scared, you know, to just feel really comfortable. So like, I want to create that for my peoples. Um, and I think I would like to see that like everywhere. How do you create that? Um, I think it's by thinking about it. And I think it's by like hiring right and um, paying well and, um, you know, compassion. Like, you know, like I remember when I first started cooking, like I was like sick or something. Like, what? You're sick? Get your ass to work. Like, you know, it's like, what if it was like, yo, we got you. Like, we're going to take care of this. Like, you know, so-and-so is going to cover you. Like, it's all good. Like, go get rest. Then later on when so-and-so is sick, it's like, we got you. Like, it's all good. And it's just kind of like a cycle, you know, instead of like, yo, like you you better like toughen up or like whatever it is or like get through, you know? So I think it's like things like that too. Um, I I didn't know we were going to talk about such serious things. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know it's a hard question too, of just like, how do you not be an asshole? Yeah. And I guess these, these thoughts are fresh in my, in my mind. Um, And I think just because based on like, you know, history and like places that I've worked and not to say that people I worked for assholes because they've been awesome as well. It's just, it's just, I think there's like a consistent like culture in in restaurants. Um, And I think it's changing. And I just want to see more change. But I think it's good. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I certainly, I remember being that one brown kid at the restaurant too, yeah. you know, when I was working and that was really hard. And if there were more places where, you know, scared brown kids could go work instead, I probably would have gone there too um, instead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm really happy to hear that. 
Yeah. Thank you. I think that's a great note to end on. But I also want to give you a chance to talk about anything in the immediate future that you want to talk about as far as plans for Popoka or just what is coming up. Anything that you want to tell listeners who might be interested in checking out your work? Yeah, um, I think so. I think um, I just want to thank everybody for being patient with like with our our hours because they've been shifting a lot because of like um, you know the fires. I'm like cool, like we can't open this weekend, you know. So um, until I figure out something something better out, and I wasn't sure what that was going to be. So, um, but we're going to open back up Wednesday, um, and just every time something changes, like. I'm I'm like I'm like one of those people who I can't say yes to something unless I really think it through. It's the same thing with restaurants. Like I can't open unless like I'm like, all right, how's this gonna work? You know. So um, I want to thank everybody for being patient for sure. Our guests, our customers. Um, um, I, I see more. You're gonna see more pig rows and just us trying to raise money for expansion. Um, you know. So please come through and support. Um, and, uh, also I just want to like, I know my, my crew is, li- is going to be listening and I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's helped with Popoka. Like they're so amazing. Like I love them so much. Um, so I just wanted to, um, you know, uh, Megan, Frank, like, you know, everybody like Chelsea, Eric, like all you guys, like, thank you so much for, uh, for sticking with, with Popoka. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Anthony. This has been really great to hear all your thoughts about restaurant culture and pupusas and all of that stuff. And I really yeah. appreciate your time. And yeah, I'm so happy that we're both in this together. For sure. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that's all we have for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Anthony Saguero for being in conversation with us. And remember to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and write in any comments or suggestions of what you'd like to hear in season two. If your note is extra good, like really, really special, we'll share it in a segment in the upcoming season. We're looking forward to bringing you new episodes on January 25th. Stay safe, be well, happy holidays, and thank you for listening.